This is Sunbelt Commissioner Keith Gill, and I listen to the Funbelt Podcast. Welcome back to Funbelt Podcast. My name's Jeremy Harper from HowRazor.com. With me tonight is Dusty Thibodeau from the Warhawk Report and Shane Metlin from Daily News Record. Gentlemen, how are you tonight? Better than Shane with all of his hatred for the Nears. They're, they're coming to get you, Jeremy. They are coming oh. to get you. Uh, well, they're coming to get Shane. They're not coming to get me because uh, because Shane is right there on their radar because Shane just cannot stop aggravating the Mountaineer faithful. What have you been doing, Shane? Oh, there's some of them that like me. I don't know. I, <laughs> I'm not even quite sure. I saw the promo tweet where I needed to apologize, and I'm not even quite sure what that was about. <laughs> I, listen, if there is one fan base that's very hard to please it would be Appalachian State those guys I remember we used to get into all kinds of rows back in the day it took some time no longer feuding with Appalachian State thank God because that's a good way to end up like just getting kidnapped and brought into the hills so (laughs) so Shane yeah you might want to hire some extra security I don't know, maybe get a police car to circle your house. Maybe, you know, arm yourself with some batons. Maybe take some karate. But uh, I, just be careful with these guys. They're, t- they're, they're nuts for the Mountaineers. Okay, well, if I see any, uh, if I see any suspicious vehicles coming up the Blue Ridge Parkway, I will, uh, <laughs> I will keep my head on a swivel. Speaking of, you know what, there is no good segue. The good segue is, is that maybe the reason why there's some rancor between James Madison and Appalachian State is because James Madison seems to have found its groove back on the hardwood. They, they seem to have. They've played very quite well recently. Um, you, know, you go back, I think, six of the last seven wins, and uh, the loss was at... Southern Miss, where so far everyone has lost. So, I mean, I think I think this is more along the lines of what I kind of expected to see from uh, JMU as opposed to when they had the three-game losing streak in the middle of the season. But now, I don't uh, have the stats in front of me, Shane, but are the Dukes in third place now? They are. They're, they're tied with uh, Marshall in third. Uh, but if it ended today, it would hold the tiebreaker there. But there's still another game between uh, – <laughs> Jamie and Marshall coming up. Now, Tibbs, where does that put the Warhawks then? Fourth place, which oh, okay. right. this past week had a great game where they beat the brakes off of Coastal Carolina. Coastal couldn't <laughs> hit the broadside of a barn. Warhawks were just on fire at one point. I think they were up 24 at the half. Wound up kind of letting off the accelerator. Second half won by, I think, I think it was 12. And then we saw what happens when you can't hit a basket and South Alabama does, you you kind of get the brakes <laughs> beat off of you on that way. But I, I, I tell you, all of that to say, the Raging Cajuns still continue to be my pick for the regular season champs this past weekend, getting the win. Now 10 straight, all because they had the magical Cajun chicken back in the house <laughs> at, at the Cajun Dome. I don't, I don't pretend to understand the Cajun chicken. I don't think I was meant to understand the Cajun chicken. I'm just going to go ahead and accept this existence. But I will tell you, Tibbs, that I can, Arkansas State sort of had the flip-flop of 
the Warhawks. We had a uh, we we beat we too beat Coastal Carolina, and they cannot hit the broad side of the barn. I don't know what has happened to them, but they can't hit any shots. And we uh, Red Wolves broke their ten game losing streak. That was nice. They're like the opposite of the of the Cajuns. And then uh, we got beat by a very sort of cooking South Alabama team. I th- that might be a team that's ready to make a little bit of noise. Once it's time for the uh, for the uh, conference tournament, uh, they've got some a couple bigs on that team that can really throw down the uh, throw down the, uh, a, a slam dunk or two, which they did on us on on many occasions. So I'm not, boys, I'm not falling for the jag trap again. <laughs> Damn, I did it again, didn't I? But, but Holy look, shit! Somebody, if, if you go back and look at South Alabama, though. Uh-huh. I think I think it's you know maybe like ten of their thirteen losses, something like that, have been ten or fewer points. They played a really tough schedule. They played USM and and uh, the Cajuns. They played them really tight. Those are I think two point game, two two four point games each one of those. And now they're on a three game winning streak, and they're kind of the de facto home team. In Pensacola, right? I mean, they're mm-hmm. the closest one. I'm not – they're going to have a hard time climbing the standings enough to avoid having to play an extra game there. But they, they're they looking like a dark horse to me outside of, you know, those those top four have kind of separated themselves a little bit. But they're looking like a little bit of a dark horse outside of that to me. There's always – and Tibbs, back me up on this. There's always at least one, maybe even two Sunbelt teams that comes to this tournament. It's still a few weeks away. We might be being a little premature here. But there's always at least two teams that comes in and just wrecks everything, right? Knocks off the top guy, uh, goes on a big run. Somehow, like, I remember a couple of years ago, Troy was something like a seventh seed or whatever got in. There's always some sort of wackiness that happens. It seems to me, Dusty, that there's like several teams that could be that wacky team. I never count out Georgia State. I mean, they have been absolutely horrible this year. 10 and 14 overall, 3 and 9 in Sunbelt Conference action. It, it would not surprise me to see them go on a run in Pensacola and wind up hoisting yet another Sunbelt Conference uh, tournament trophy. And wouldn't that just be absolutely horrible? For the Sun Belt, uh, I, I think so because as <laughs> is, if, if if we're looking at Southern Miss, the Cajuns, and Marshall, all three of which are in the mid-major top twenty-five, those are your best chances to try to get that second bid and that large bid. If if someone like an Arkansas State, Georgia State, were to sneak through the tournament and get that automatic, we'll fill up the NIT brackets and the C level tournaments but we'll still be looking for the second NCAA at-large bid. And probably with somebody that low, they're probably going to Dayton for first four as opposed to already locking up a game with a 13-14 seed. Yeah, I think you you hit on it. It, I don't even think, you know, an at-large bid is even on the radar right now. But if it's Louisiana or Southern Miss or Marshall – or James Madison, if any of those four win the tournament, you're looking at, you know, a 12-13 seed in the NCAA tournament with, a you know, a chance to win a game. 
which would be huge. If it's not one of those teams, then you're all of a sudden looking at a 16 again and like not having much chance of really doing anything in the tournament. I don't think, you know, a second bid, this isn't the year for a second bid, maybe next year, but the seeding is going to be huge. See, this is what I think, like Keith Gill needs to come down off his throne if like, say, Georgia State wins the wins the tournament. And he says, all right, guys, this was cute. This was a lot of fun. But we can't have Georgia State be the champion. We, we'll make the regular season champion the champion. They get to go. And the only people who would cry about it, of course, would be Georgia State. But who cares? <laughs> who cares if Georgia State complains, right? Not a fan of that because I, I like having the regular season champ in the NIT guarantee oh, yeah. and, and then having the conference tournament winner because it really lives up to the March Madness when it's your 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 best team that's been able to string together those wins represents your conference in the NCAA tournament. You know why? You know why you like that format, Tibbs? Because you're a softy, man. You're a romantic at heart. You you love the Cinderella stories. You love the underdogs. You're just that kind of guy. You know what? You probably are like the biggest romantic during uh, Valentine's Day. You're probably the guy with the candy and the flowers and the stuffed animals and the romance with the candles and the bath balls and, and like the fluffy slippers and maybe the men's lingerie. You probably got that all put together. Am I right? Far from it. <laughs> I, I, I think uh, I asked my wife, what do you want for Valentine's Day? And her response was nothing. I don't know how we got to talking about men's lingerie, but but we 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 hit on something there. We've talked a little bit about you know the possibility of expanding the tournament and whether we like it going to like eighty five or ninety teams or whatever it would be. And to me, like that would be the one thing is if if a conference like the Sun Belt was guaranteed both their regular season champion and the tournament champion, that would be one of the benefits of going to an expanded field and. Can you imagine Thursday night, Louisiana going to Southern Miss, tied for first, everything that would be on the line for a regular season game if the regular season champ was in line to, uh, to get into the NCAA tournament? Well, that would provide some juice for Sunbelt basketball, which has needed some kind of juice like that for a long time. But I have to admit, Shane, I'm kind of with the consensus of most people that I see in the ether of the internet that happen to think that expanding the tournament from, was it 68 teams now to a format of like 96 or 88 or whatever insane number they put up, just seems like it loses some of the magic of the tournament. It seems like it's already a bloated enough. But, and yeah. I say that, and I say this as a guy, whose own team, the Red Wolves, has not seen a NCAA appearance since 1999. So, so yes, in, in some ways, I'm like, yes, expand it to 300 teams. Maybe we get in. But at the same time, I'm wondering, Shane, do you, what, what do you, you've given kind of your, 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 your reasons to see it expand. In your heart, do you want to see it expand? Would you like to see more? No, I think it's the perfect sporting event right now. It's, it's the best sporting event to me in the world. And I mean, I'm sure everybody else in the world is going to say it's the World Cup or whatever. But like to me, there's nothing better than the NCAA tournament the way it is right now. Um, and I, I don't want to see it expand, but I do 
think that if they did make the regular season matter more, that might be the one benefit to it if they decide to do it. Yeah, I can see that. Well, I guess that's kind of what they're promising too with football, right? That they expand it to 12, that regular season conference champions would somehow get in. Although I suspect it's really just a device to get more SEC teams in. But uh, I guess we'll just see. Shane and Tibbs, maybe you guys have your fingers on this pulse a little more than I do. How serious is the talk of creating a, a, a wider pool for the NCAA basketball tournament? I think it's going to happen. I mean, March Madness is the cash cow of NCAA. So in theory, more teams is more money. And so why not? Yeah. And I think you also kind of got to remember there's new leadership in the NCAA and they got saddled with a bad TV deal. Like the NCAA left money on the table by just continuing to go with CBS instead of really kind of opening up to the market. They could be making billions more dollars if they'd opened it up to bidding and they didn't really. Now there's new leadership there. Expansion's one way to kind of get around that TV deal that you're saddled with right now. So Jeremy, we try to follow every sport here at Funbelt Podcast across the Sunbelt Conference, right? Absolutely, because we are equal opportunity Sunbelt lovers. If it's if it's if it's if it's uh, beach volleyball, we're in. If it's soccer, we're in. If it's tennis, we're in. If it's if it's football, we're in. If it's men's basketball, well, maybe not me so much. But, uh, <laughs> most people are in. but we talked last year, Angie Hine, the, the gold standard yeah. there of Sunbelt as she came in from the Old Dominion, won the conference championship. But there was a leadership change at Troy this past year, yeah. and the guy they brought in, Stuart Gore, he's from my neck of the woods. He's from good old Northwestern State, now oh, yeah. down in the loveliest – well, you can't say the loveliest village of the Plains because that's actually Auburn, but he's down in lower Alabama at Troy taking over the Trojans program. This guy's done it all, Jeremy. He, he's got five conference titles, including one two years ago at Northwestern State, went to the NCAA regionals. So now we're stepping up our game in, in Sunbelt soccer even more. Welcome in there, Stuart Gore as you are the head coach now of the Troy Trojans. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Yes, yeah, great, great to be here. So, you know, uh, I, I, I don't want to jump on any toes, but I just want to ask, you know, Sunbelt has gotten to be a really good soccer conference. Uh, where do you think Troy lies in that, that, that solar system? That has as uh, that the Sun Belt has created in terms of elite soccer programs. Well, obviously you have to go off for of last year, and that's not it's not good. It's uh, holding everybody else up at the bottom. So um, you know, but um, you, you're totally right. Um, you know, with with the the, the sun, state of Sun Belt soccer right now is is huge. And for the longest time, obviously South Alabama were the reigning champs year after year after year, and 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 um, you know. Graham, who obviously went to Arizona State, and then um, and then Richard Moody, who came in and just kept it, kept the train on the tracks and kept them rolling. And now, obviously, um, ODU and, and JMU come in, and and um, you know both great programs, well run, great schools. You know, it's 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 definitely it jumped up um, its level in the past uh, two years. As you said, Troy at the bottom of the standing. So really, it, it's a rebuild 
but nothing that you haven't done before when you started the program at Northwestern Ohio at an AI program. First year, I think you were 15 and five that year. Second year, national runner up. Do we, do, do we already set the bar that high at Troy that you can make that big of a swing? <laughs> um, I'll, I'll, I'll take it a game at a time, but you know, I think we've all got to have, we've all got to have um, standards and, and it's about, you know, for me, it's about sort of a, a, a re a, a rebuild, a reboot, you know, um, you know, so it's um, hopefully it's one of those movie reboots. That's good. Not, not a bad movie reboot. We've all seen those. So um you know, um, yeah, it's it's about, and I think rebuilding confidence within the team, and um, and and bringing in bringing in players that can can help us, you know, develop and and, and start to win more games than three games a year. Because for me, I win three games after four games. That's how I win three games. So, uh, you know, you you already mentioned South Alabama as being a perennial Sun Belt powerhouse in terms of women's soccer, and they are, and there's a couple other programs out there. But the difference between the other programs in South Alabama is that Troy really has a sort of hatred for South Alabama. Have you been sucked into that rivalry yet, or are you just um, not yet? Uh, me and me and the me and Richard Moody are, are friends, so you know I talk to him, you know, here and again, so. Uh, you know, but all you know, always, uh, you know, rivals are, are, are great things to have, and um, you know, I know, um, I know the the girls talk about it. You know, that you know just hate South Al. You know, so you know, I'm pretty sure. Uh, oh, Brent Jones will make me dislike South Al. Pretty sure. So you're saying it's literally personal between you and South Alabama. Well, Richard Moody is a Scottish guy, and obviously I'm English, so there you go. There's, there's, you can write that one. So, um, but my mum's from Scotland, so, um, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, yeah. So the, 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 you can start the border war. Now, in Troy, is there a lot of, uh, uh, is there a lot of English accents in Troy that you can pick up on, or are you like the only guy? Oh, I get, I, I get a lot of the head tilts where I start to speak to people, and uh, you know, and I just tell them I'm from you know, South, Southern Arkansas. And, um, <laughs> I'm from a, I'm from a religious sect in, in Southern Arkansas that have British accents. Um, so um, yeah, I get a lot of head tilts big time. I think that would work, uh, uh, Tibbs. I think, I think he could also probably just say he's from Louisiana and that would probably just work just as well. Right. <laughs> see, see, Jeremy is an Arkansas state guy. And so they have no rivalry. So he, everyone, he comes on, I feel like he he's the guy going around at the bar at the end of the night, you know, going, you want to be my rival? You want to be my rival? You want to be my rival? I'm just trying to pick as many fights as I can. Nobody's taking me up on it. Uh, I, I, I think that I wish that they were scared. I think they're just uh, feel a little bit sorry for me. Well, I was, we played, we played uh, at Northwestern state last year. We played at Arkansas state. And I was really impressed with Jonesboro. I, I, you know, I don't know what I was thinking. I was, I thought I was going to get one, one red light kind of one gas station kind of town. And <laughs> I was actually really impressed with it. Please don't encourage him. Please don't encourage him. Jonesboro is the retail, medical, and uh, and and academic uh, center point for Northeast Arkansas. Never you forget that, Tibbs. <laughs> I, I want you to refer to to it that way every time you talk about Jonesboro. It's the best Dairy Queen I've ever had. <laughs> it's a good Dairy Queen. It's it's really good. So, good candies. Coach, we talk about your players coming back. Uh, obviously, you, you have a goalkeeper coming back. Kind of the the base that you got to build off of yep. there, as well as uh, Jordan uh, Struck. I think is how you say her last name. Nice. The the Arkansas nice. transfer. 
stack, yeah, for, uh, that, that transferred in a couple of years ago. Um, where do you see them kind of fitting in as you, as you get ready to do this rebuild with the Trojans? I think they're, they're both natural leaders. Um, obviously, you know, um, we, I'm adding um, the the former associate head coach at Northwestern State, Eric Masters, to the staff here. He'll be, a, he'll be our associate head here. And Eric's one of the best goalkeeper coaches in the country. Great recruiter, great person. Um, so I think Lindsay, you know, our goalkeeper hasn't had a goalkeeper coach in two years, you know, so it, I think she's pumped to actually have somebody who's, you know, been in her shoes and been in her gloves, so to speak. Um, you know, so, uh, and then, you know, and stacks, um, a forward who's, you know, a tireless work rate, obviously got recruited to Arkansas and, and it didn't work out, but, um, you know, she, the both, uh, stacks going into a single year and we've, I've had conversations with her and she wants to make it the best, the best uh, last year, the best year. As you look, as you come into the league, you know, we, we talked about how good Sunbelt soccer has really become. Who do you see kind of standing out this upcoming year? And, and who do you think uh, maybe will be your big rival? Obviously, I think it's the, the teams in the teams in the middle. Uh, obviously, um, Louisiana Lafayette, um, their, their head coach and me are very good friends. I coached against him in, in the Southland um, in Chris McBride. Um, Chris took over a similar situation here a year ago, and he's he's trying to move Lafayette up the table. Um so, you know, a lot of those teams are sort of in the middle where they're trying to break the the top three and four, you know, um, you know, but we saw it last year where, you know, Georgia Southern, you know, and Chris Adams has done a, a phenomenal job there and they were a tough team to beat. And um, that's the thing with a, with a Sunbelt. Anybody can beat anybody. It's not an easy game. Uh, there really isn't, um, you know, so anything can happen, you know, with, uh, with ODBU and JMU coming into the conference, both ending up in the finals. Um, you know, they um I know Ange, you know, Ange is a, a phenomenal coach. He's coached at the highest level internationally in Scotland. And um, you know, they'll be both her and JMU will be reloading for sure. By the way, Angie uh told us that she put on the the uh coach speak pretty thick on us. Oh, I don't know if we have the the same kind of team as we had last year. I just hope that we can compete ended up winning the championship. Good for her. So you said that Tro- Troy is, we know that Troy is, a you know, kind of starting, not, I hate to say from the bottom, but there is work to do. Where is the work, most of the work needed in your opinion? Is it coaching a scheme? Is it recruiting? Where do you think you have to put most of your attention? Probably recruiting, you know, and, and, and rebuilding confidence. Um, like I said, you know, you, you got three coaches in three years, so you got three sets of different players you know it, it's so it's trying to find the, the the matches of that and then figuring out um what's the best style to play with this team I think that's the thing for me as a coach it's not picking well this is how exactly I want to play you know it's whatever suits the players of this this coming year and then slowly but surely trying to to turn you know you know, sort of pick up the cruise ship and turn it around. Right now, we're trying to turn a cruise ship around in a paddling pool. So, um, you know, it's a it's a difficult scenario. Um, so, yeah, I think recruiting and, and rebuilding confidence and seeing what we've really got and and who's um, who's ready to get on the bus. Troy, a big football school. How do you compete with that as you get ready for your inaugural season? 
Oh yeah, I'm, you know what? I think when they played Army, they sold out thirty thousand. I think that'll be that'll be me first game of the season. I think, <laughs> you know, uh, um, you know, uh, you know, I can I definitely think John Summerall was is quaking in his boots with my hiring. Um, so um, no, I, you know, met the football guys; they're all fantastic. You know, there's um, what I loved about here. There's no there's no egos in the coaching staff and all across. Everybody wants to help each other. Um, I think Troy football is only going to be, we can only use it as a massive recruiting tool. You know, we've, we've got a recruit coming on, on, on this weekend and we've been talking to the football guys about touring the person over there because that's a massive selling point. One of the, you know, one of the best mid-major schools in the country, you know, why would we not try and sell that? So where's your goal for this season then? I, of course the goal is always to win as many games as possible and do very well, but is there an incremental goal goals that you've set or are you just taking it one game at a time? I think, I think you've got to take it one game at a time. I think, you know, uh, you know, yes, you've got to have, you've got to set goals as things go on, but right now it's about, you know, um, the schedule, you know, Rob Lane already built the schedule for next year. And I think it's a good one. I think there's, you know, there's, we're not, we're not playing teams that are outside our pay grade. Um, you know, so for me, it's just take it, you know, every day at a time, preseason at a time. And then, you know, and then, um, and then taking it one game at a time and seeing, and maybe reevaluating the goals, maybe at the start of the conference season and going, right. Okay. Where are we at? Can we, can we make a push for, for, for a certain place or what do the girls want? Last question there for you, coach. It's a, it's a young coaching staff there with, John Summerall, Scott Cross is still in his youth. Baseball has a young coach. Do y'all ever get together and, and, and either kick, kick around on the pitch, play some hoops or anything like that? And, and if so, who is the standout coach that you've ran across so far? Oh, like all of them. Um, you know, I don't think I was – Scott Cross actually played played soccer for, for a long mm-hmm. time. He was telling me the other day um, – you know, his brother was uh, the UTEMP women's co- head coach for 20 years. Um, you know, so, uh, yeah, Scott Scott said he slept with a soccer ball until he was like 12. So um, at, um, I know baseball player, I think they play a lot of pickup hoops. I'm, I'm five foot five. Basketball <laughs> was middle school for me. You know, um, you know, I, you know, I think I can turn into Alan Iverson. It's just it doesn't go from there to here or to my feet. So, um, you know, but um They've all been top notch, you know. Um, they've, 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 their information they give you, they want to sit with you, they want to talk to you, and 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 get you can get their spiel. But they also want to get ideas. They ask questions, you know. And um, yeah, Summerall, you know, John Summerall's super, super accessible to us coaches, and and is great. And um, we were just in his office two nights ago asking him if we ever had a football crazy dad who you know on a rec- recruitment visit, can they stop by and shake your hand? And he's like, yeah, sure whatever you need, you know, <laughs> when, you know, I can't imagine, you know, West Hart, Alabama's getting that access with Nick Saban, you know, sort of thing. So, um, you know, it's, it's great people, you know, Brent Jones wants to win at everything. That's the biggest reason I'm here after speaking to the AD, he wants to win at absolute everything. And most ADs want to win at football and basketball because they make the money. He wants to win at everything. And he was a former student athlete, which again is very rare in, in, in that level of, of athletic administration. Well, Coach Gore, here's what you need to do. You need to challenge those clowns to darts, and then you need to wipe the floor with those guys. I'm not a bad darts player. I'm all right <laughs> at darts. I'm all right at darts. I can I can hold my own at darts. Oh, Paul, Paul's my game. I oh yeah, okay, yeah, some yeah. billiards. I, I yeah. told you know I told the football guys, don't let me in the um in the lounge <laughs> with the players' lounge of football because I might you know 
Yeah, it might, might clean up. <laughs> Get some of that NIL money from those guys. Yes. <laughs> I'm sure my compliance guy will love me on that part of my interview. <laughs> well, Coach, we thank you so much and look forward to seeing how the Trojans do this upcoming season, your inaugural season in the Sunbelt Conference as we always follow all the sports here on a Funbelt podcast. Cool. I appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Coach. So, Shane, we heard from the head soccer coach of Troy. And one thing that we've always wanted to do was have our own NIL student athlete to give us the inside scoop of what it's really like to try to find that balance of going to, going to class, going to sports, having a social life, listening to Fun Belt podcasts, of course, and everything in between. And we finally got our guy. He's a track and field athlete from Troy. It, it, I feel like this is a, a Troy heavy theme there. We were talking about women's basketball earlier as well. And, and now we heard from the soccer coach and now we get to hear from a trot guy as Maxwell George joins us as the inaugural fun belt podcast, NIL spokesman. Welcome in there, Maxwell. Thank you so much. Honored to be here. Glad to be the first. I don't know if it's really that much of an honor, but, but go <laughs> ahead and give us, give us an introduction. Tell us about yourself and, and kind of how you became a Troy Trojan. Uh, so my name is Maxwell George, obviously. I'm from Democlis, Alabama. Um, grew up in a small little town, obviously. It's a 5A school in Alabama. Um, and then over time, I ran cross country in high school, played baseball. Wasn't really that involved in the, to the actual track side of running until uh, actually I ended up at, at Troy. So cross country was was the end all and be all. Was good enough in cross country to gain some couple interests and things like that. Same thing for baseball. And then uh, once I was going through the college search of things, my dad, my senior, actually ended up started working over here. Uh, he got me kind of plugged in with some people. The The interest from coaches came then once they saw my dad and they heard about me. And then it was kind of just like a blessing in the sense where Troy gave me an opportunity to run. They said, it was going to work hard. was going to go to class, make my grades and things like that because, I mean, that's important at the end of the day. You can't have be worrying about grades and things like that when you're trying to run a program because you see it all across the country in just different sports where people act in eligibility. I had good grades. The coach was willing to, to kind of – a guy that never ran track, but a guy that ran cross country, really take a risk on him and give him a spot on the team. So I think also in the, the process, even if I wasn't going to do uh, athletics because that was also an option, I was just going to go to school to go to school. Um, and I really thought about going to Florida State originally just for, just for school. That was the dream, Florida State be a null. And then um, when it came down to it, uh, everything came together here. When I came through my tours to Troy, it was, just, it was a family environment, family atmosphere. I knew it was a place where I could grow a lot as an individual and, uh, and, and meet a lot of people and, and be successful, whether it was on the track or, or as a leader in the classroom or in, in academics as well. I had like kind of a similar but opposite experience from you uh, in college. I ran at the JUCO level but I had never ran cross country in high school. My mm -hmm. tiny little high school didn't even have a cross country team. I ran track was fairly successful in mm -hmm. mid distance. And they're like, well, you're going to run cross country in college too. So it, it, it's interesting how it all ends up working out for some of us mm -hmm. with, uh, in that regard. I just, tracks, had, a hope of, I just yeah. had the hope and dream of playing college basketball. That's all I wanted to do. But then I realized that uh, I, I was never going to make it. And so uh, I had, I had to find a real job, Shane. Well, I mean, that was my dream too, but then it was like, you know, I was 5'10 and could barely, uh, could barely touch the rim, but I could um, actually run for a long time fairly fast. So that's how I ended up there. So Maxwell, you, you run the 800. 
two laps around. I, I, I get winded just yes, sir. thinking about what one fourth of that. So, so what kind of conditioning do you have to do and, and how do you prepare for the meets that are getting ready to come up here in a couple of months? So the thing about track that I don't think a lot of people understand is that um, we, we don't compete for a whole semester. While a lot of these other teams like baseball, football, basketball, they'll, they'll have competition type things in the fall and spring, or they'll have fall baseball, spring softball, or for spring fall, or excuse me, fall softball and things like that. But all fall, we simply practice with no competition. And so a lot of the first kind of, uh, when we get back from campus, we'll, we won't start practice until after Labor Day, that first holiday in September. And it's a lot of kind of getting off that rust from the summer because some people can, or some people train, some people don't. They send us workouts to do. But a lot of it's a, uh, we start with an endurance base, which is a lot of longer repetitions of eight 200s and uh, timed runs and things like that, just to get that that fitness back that we, we lost, obviously, over the summer, or building upon what you were supposed to do over the summer. Um, what the coach sent you, but you can't always guarantee what people do and don't do over the summer when coaches aren't there. So that first probably from September to let's say like middle of October is just nothing but endurance base and work like that. Then we get into a testing period where we will do certain types of uh, just kind of overall testing when it comes to our fit to see where our fitness is at when it gets to turning the calendar towards January, obviously competition. So We'll do kind of a weighted ball throw to kind of see where our strengths are at, combined with some things in the weight room. We'll do like maxes and things like that. We'll do a broad jump, um, and then we'll do a, a thing called a flying 30. And we'll do for – it's different for each event, but for the 800, we do this thing called the Cosmic Test, where we'll run as hard as we can for 60 seconds, and you'll get three minutes rest, and then you'll run as hard as you can for 60 seconds. And there's an equation that our coach does that should give you a good estimated time of what you're – what your 800 times going to be right around then. And so after that, we'll go back into kind of a, a tech kind of phase where we'll do, we'll add in more speed and we'll add in a little bit more endurance. And then once the calendar flips, we go into competition season. So uh, that's changes everything from the sense of what we do in the weight room and what we do on the track every day at practice. So like Mondays is going to be our core workout day where we'll have a, a workout that's supposed to be a hard effort in what we do. Tuesday is kind of a little bit of endurance. Wednesday, we actually do yoga in the morning. Uh, Thursday is kind of a speed tech to kind of get us in, 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 in mind of what we want to do in our race for the 800. Friday is kind of a pre-meet stretch. Then usually Saturdays, if we don't have a meet, we'll do a kind of a competition style um, practice, whether it's a hard effort or we'll compete that weekend. So in addition to that, obviously, you got to go to class. What, what's your intended major and, and what's next after college once you graduate? So my attendant major is currently is communications and I have a minor in military science. So I'll actually commission as an officer in the United States Army in May. Wow. So you, you get to go right there to uh, Fort, what is that right there? Uh, There's Fort Benning. Um, that's right. In, up the road. Columbus. Fort Rucker, yes. Fort Rucker is but what I was thinking of. Yeah. I got assigned to Augusta, Georgia, Fort Gordon for signal to be a signal officer. <clears throat> I mean, what kind of uh, sparked that? that path for you, not only, you know, becoming a track athlete, but then the military aspect of it. I have uh, several people in my family that have served uh, in the military. And I honestly just want to uh, true service to the country. I love this country. And I think it's the best way to kind of give back in a sense to our, to our country that we live in. Um, also in high school, I received a scholarship for complete free academics and things like that. So that's kind of <clears throat> enticing in a sense as well. But I think uh, at the end of the day, 
if you look at the numbers, one percent of the country, one one percent of Americans end up serving the country, and I think it's being able to uh, to be a part of something like that. Um, I think that's something that's very honorable, and and also to be able to kind of live up to the name of some of my family members that have done the same thing, and to kind of walk the shoes that they did to make them very uh, people that I, I value because of their high character and their values is something that I was looking afterwards and looking towards to do. So, in addition to the military leadership there. Former SGA president, how, how do you find the balance to do all this and, and and still actually want to do more by jumping on Fun Belt podcast? Yeah, well, honestly, so the the way this ended up happening is that when I ended up signing super late that summer, going into my freshman year, a lot of people end up signing obviously the national signing days and things like that during their school year. I didn't sign until that like July when I was already just committed to be a student at Troy. I didn't, I, my parents were kind of just going back and forth and I was like, I'm going to come to Troy anyway. I don't, and if, if I want to do the track thing, I'll kind of just figure it out and I'll just, I'll, I'll do it. And so obviously if you come to your, your orientation session, you already have a dorm and things like that set. And so because we don't practice until September, because I came so late, I didn't have roommates that were on the track team. So then I was kind of forced to make friends that weren't on the track team. And so I used that first month of meeting everyone I possibly could know. And then we have this thing called freshman forum. I applied, I got into it. And since then it was just like my, my kind of leadership experience kind of took off from the student government perspective. And I think uh, track is a, not a lot of people think about it this way, but for me running is a very peaceful thing in my head is that when I run, it's a good time to kind of take a, take a step back from whatever's going on in life. Like I went on my run today and it's just like, I kind of regathered all my thoughts for the week. It's like, this is what I need to do. And I'm, I was, I was working on homework 20 minutes ago because of that kind of just that reset and gathering of what I, what I get from track. And I think also being able to expand on just being, being more than just a student athlete is what I wanted to do is just being able to get involved and being able to say that, yes, I can run track and I can do these things as well, but also I have a leadership experience and skills that um, if I wasn't going into Army, it's a very sellable resume to whoever wants to, or whoever I want to get employed by. I think it, especially last year and being the actual president, it was a, it was a lot of time management. There was a lot of a communication back and forth between coaches and that's uh, me and coach Davis have a, a good relationship. And so it was like, I might not be able to practice today at two o'clock cause I have a meeting at two o'clock, but I'm going to get my workout sometime during the day, whether it's at three o'clock or holding you until five until I get done. But we were in that constant communication and, and back and forth this knowing what I was doing is important and knowing that I was also representing the name of Troy track and field on a, on a, a wider base than a lot of people, a lot of athletes get to. So, I mean, one thing you just hit on there was that, you know, aspect of running track and, you know, running mid distance and you're going to be out on the road, you know, sometimes by yourself for a long time. And you, you yeah. find that cool. I know a lot of runners do. That's something, you know, it jumps out to me. I'm sure you're on campus. It seems like all the athletes know each other, hang out, everything. <laughs> but is that something you find just unique to like your sport as, or something that stands apart from, you know, all the other athletes, you know? Definitely. And I think every sport has their own way of it as well. Like I played baseball growing up all my life and it's going a long toss and just go hitting off the tee can have that same effect. But like running for like I did a 60 minute run today, like that's something that genuinely is just is you and you're you're out there by yourself and I think that's something that is very unique with with track is that you're you're gaining a lot from it as well but it's also it's just like it's just you and your, your your head just thinking and clearing your mind and just and get in just kind of that just mode and zone that obviously you know about from running track as well but it's just it 
it's a feeling that not a lot of people understand, especially because it's, okay, why are you running for 60 minutes? I can't run for 10. But you're also, you're thinking and you're, 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 you're finding the battles in your head while you're running. So it, it's, it's very peaceful and very, very unique. Yes, I, I love it. Yeah. Can be peaceful. I'll ask you this. Do your coaches ever find crazy places for you guys to go out and do road work or whatever? I, remember, I had a coach who took us where they were building a, high, a highway. And so we were running up the like overpasses they were um, building or, you know, had one they called a pig farm and we had to kind of hold our breaths while we were like <laughs> running out in the middle of nowhere. So with, so our coach doesn't, he kind of lets, lets our long runs to be on our weekends. So we kind of decide where we do. Um, so it's kind of like, I'll find a group of guys and they'll go find the, the crazy places to run just because like, I'll, I'll probably do my long, I usually do my long runs with the cross country runners. And those are the guys that are running the backwoods of Alabama somewhere, climbing up trees and stuff like that during the middle of runs that are just like, how did you find this place? How much time did you spend on Google Maps trying to find this three-mile road to go up and down on? Yeah. And do you, do you ever encounter people who are out yeah, in the middle of nowhere and they don't think there's going to see anybody? And then all of a sudden the whole Troy Cross Country team is like there and they're like, what's going yes. on? Here? I, I think so. I get my hair cut a little bit out of town and I I suggested that something like one of my friends and they said, yeah, well, we're there. We looked on the side of the road and we saw cross country runners in the middle of nowhere. And I was like, that's, that's them. And they love it. So yeah. This past year was a great year to be a Troy Trojan winning the Sun Belt, hosting the Sun Belt conference championship game, getting a big bowl game as, as the student side, how was that on campus for as, as all that developed? Um, so I got here in 2019 and from 2019 and before the start of this year, we won 15 total games. We won 12 this year. So um, honestly, if you could, you asked me at the beginning of the season, um, I didn't think we were going to win. I, I was, I was, I remember driving with my dad, we were going somewhere and I was like, I, I just want six wins, dad. I want to go to a bowl game my six, my, my senior year. Got to go to a bowl game. I just need six wins. And I was going through the schedule. I was like, we, we, uh, we're going to beat South. We're, we're going to beat this team. This team will, South was kind of questionable going up to it but we I was like I just need six wins and so as a student like each week kind of gained its own hype and its own just kind of developed and developed and developed and um honestly that first week I when we traveled to Ole Miss a lot I went to I went to Oxford for that game and a ton of students were there and I was like this is interesting like we first of all we haven't had a game like this in a while to be able to um to be able to like travel to like that and to see that the students came out and supported us like that was very interesting. And then next week we played Alabama and at home and I was like, okay, first game of the season, we have the same little hype. And then our hearts were shattered the next week at App State. And, but at the same time with our hearts being shattered, it was like, this is a team that has ran us up and down the field for the last four or five years. And we were one play away from beating them. And so some lost hope, some were kind of in between. And in my head, I was like, if things go right, we're going to see them again. This is if well, things went right on our side, clearly not them, but things, things are, we're going to see them again. And this is going to be good. This is a step towards progress. And I mean, every game was interesting the whole year. It kept us dialed in because there were some games that we didn't score a point until the second half or the fourth quarter. And I think gradually you saw as a student, as we kept on winning games, the students got more invested, more engaged into what Coach Summerall was doing. Um, and then also being able to have a conference championship at home was my senior year. There's, there's no there, – whoever's writing scripts or whatever, they, they couldn't have planned it any better. And I think 
you truly saw the students kind of re-fall in love back with Troy because we had three three low years there of football. And I think you truly got a sense of that Trojan pride and that Trojan family kind of regathering and then having a bowl game in Orlando. We had a student section at the at the bowl game because so many people traveled down there. So I think over time it was just it was really cool to see what some of these other schools got to experience, even within our conference, like Coastal UOL and App State had their runs within the last three or four years. And so getting to experience what they experienced and now being able to have it here. And I think hopefully something they can build on with all the sports and sense of that sense of Trojan pride that was built from that entire experience in the fall. Maxwell, first of many appearances for you on Fun Belt Podcast. We look forward to having you again next week as we catch up with you to get the inside scoop of what's going on in the student athlete life and uh, looking forward to it from there. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. The first interview with our NIL deal, guys, it was something that we've been working on for a while. We got the first bit. We, we have the foundation laid. We now know all about Maxwell. And now we'll get the, the weekly inside scoop of what it's like to be a student athlete in the Sunbelt Conference. Uh, that's completely awesome, man. You know what? The hard work, the vitamins, the prayers finally paid off for us. We finally got that NIL guy. Yes. Uh, if only I was there for the interview, that would have been good. Yeah. <laughs> and now Maybe next time. Going forward, we'll have to include him in our plugs, promos, and parting shots. And Jeremy, Ooh. since you weren't here, the floor is yours. Check out howraiser.com. You know, kind of kind of monitoring this train wreck of a season for Arkansas State and, and their and their basketball programs. Arkansas State did pick up that win this weekend over Coastal Carolina, which was exciting. So we're all excited about that in Jonesboro. But it's been a pretty hard season to watch. Um, uh, parting shot. Hmm. You know, I don't know if I normally I have a parting shot like a like a TV show. Oh, you know what? I've been watching Severance. Have you guys been watching that? Great show. Yeah, yeah I watched okay. It. Both of watched you it a while back. Okay, but did you did you finish it, Shane? Yes. Yeah. And, and Dusty, did you finish it? I did. Okay. All right. Good. All right. Because I'm uh, about four episodes in. So and we need I, to ruin it for you. Don't ruin it for me, but you need to tell me, should I stick with it? Because Definitely. it's a little slow right now. It's kind of a slow yeah. burn. The yeah. performances you're, are great. You know, you're I get just it. starting to get into it. Okay. Okay. So I should stick with it tonight. Like tonight yeah. I should go ahead, turn it on, get a couple more episodes in. All right. So then that's my parting shot. My parting shot is Jeremy Harper is going to stick with Severance and see where this bizarre road takes me. Shane, what do you have? Uh, nothing that good. <laughs> <laughs> nothing better but, than Severance? Yeah. My, 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 my plug, as always, you know, dnronline.com slash Sunbelt Extra. Um, check it out. Um, I've, I got my trip booked for Pensacola, so in a few weeks we'll have all kinds of stuff from there. Um, yeah, I don't have much of a parting shot. Uh, I've already Is finished. No replacement going to be joining you. I don't believe so. No, I no. I don't know. We'll figure it out. Oh, okay. Because we like Noah, don't we, uh, Dusty? Noah's a good guy. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't pick fights with uh, opposing fans. <laughs> you know what? Everybody loves Noah. Yeah, he's not yeah. the prickly, sort of cantankerous sports reporter that some <laughs> of you guys at Daily News Record are. Yeah. Tibbs, give us your party shot, your plug, your promo. 
Plug is always warhawkreport.com. Good My plug. promo with the next ULM win, ULM head coach Keith Richard will be the second highest or ha- will have the second most career Sunbelt Conference victories with 119, 86, well, 87 at ULM, 32 when he was at Louisiana Tech. He's currently tied with Kermit Davis, who was at Middle Tennessee for long term. Wow. I would not have guessed that. My parting That's- shot. Yeah. If you were going to steal money, Jeremy, okay. what, would you, what would you steal the money for? What would I steal it for or from? For. Uh, let's see. I, you know what? I would like to think I would steal it for a good cause. Like I would take the money from the from the rich and I would redistribute it to the poor. That's so what giving, I would do. So you're giving it to the Arkansas State Collective. Okay. Shane, if you were going to steal money, what are you stealing it for? Uh, pay some bills, probably. Oh, okay. Yeah. How about the woman in Illinois recently indicted? For stealing $1.5 million to buy chicken wings. <laughs> now, wait a second. Okay. Wait. Here's the story I heard. Yeah, I heard this differently. I heard she stole a million dollars worth of chicken wings. That's what I heard. I heard that she stole $1.5 million worth of chicken wings that was supposed to go to a school district. Yeah. She stole money for chicken wings. I mean, I love some wings, but I don't know if I'm doing a stretch for uh, hot wings. Yeah. You know, I don't know. You know what? Uh, I've just started my 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 journey down the path of hot wings. I, I never really liked them until about two years ago. And when, when COVID hit, when COVID started, I started making my own hot wings. I could see I, uh, $1.5 million in hot wings. You know what? There might not be a better reason to do a stretch in the prison. <laughs> I don't know. I, I was at a Costco the other day. Yeah. And then, you know, they've got all their stuff out. People getting ready for the Super Bowl. So pretty much their entire chicken department is wings right now. And <laughs> it's, it's a good price. It's not worth the time when you can just, you know, buy Costco size um, package of wings and, you know, shell out the no. 20 for it. I think I think I don't know if it's worth the time. Now, do you think she stole, uh, you know, $1.5 million in chicken wings to redistribute them to the neighborhood? Like, to be, like, real popular? Like, hey, everybody come down for chicken wings. <laughs> I would hope or, she was running a food truck. Maybe she's going to have the biggest Super Bowl party anybody's ever seen. Oh, that would be worth it. You know, it'd be like at the end of, uh, of uh, It's a Wonderful Life when the sheriff just rips, uh, rips apart the warrant for, her, for his arrest. That's what a bit should have been like. Like, like we're gonna arrest you for stealing all these chicken wings, and then she goes, "Yeah, but wait, I'm here to have the world's biggest Super Bowl party." And be like, "Oh, it's okay." <laughs> Just know, Jeremy. Whenever we get together for a tailgate, I will cook yeah. you some wings that will burn, but they will be the best wings you've ever had. Uh, you know what? Here's the thing. I, I I imagine that's true. Even in that COVID time, I never quite perfected wings like I, I i like baking them in the oven and i don't know if that's the best place to do that air fryer air fryer all right i might yeah. work that. if you can find a watering hole that just does it well it's worth it's worth the trip every once in a while yeah you we got pizza place here in a little rock that does them pretty well so uh yeah i, I, yeah, I usually pizza sell- sponsored by lincoln pear 